Hello, and welcome to Ethical Seduction, your sex and relationship podcast, where we cover topics and skills designed to help you get what you want, both in and out of the bedroom. I'm your host, Stephen, and joining me today are Ava. Hello. And Brandy. Hi. On today's show, we're going to jump right into it with a discussion about anxiety and decision making. So many of us wrestle with wanting to do something, but are are afraid to go that extra step and actually do it. Fear of decisions can hold us back. So what are our fears? How are they legitimate? How are they not? And what can we do to work with them and still get to do what we want? So before we get into that, though, I did want to ask Ava because she just got back from Seattle. So I was going to ask how your trip was. Oh, I, I had an awesome trip. Actually, I got to spend time with family, with some friends. Uh, it was really interesting trying to figure out how to navigate who should I see and who should I spend time with in the middle of a pandemic, especially over the holidays. Mm. Um, so, but yeah, I had a really good time. I had a lot of fun uh, visiting my family and seeing a few friends. That's cool. That's good. Well, welcome back. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and Ava, I guess you want to share some thoughts. You're going to start us off with the, uh, about talking about anxiety and decision-making. Yeah, actually, um, I had an experience that I felt like really was in line with our, our topic, our conversation tonight about anxiety and decision-making. And, um, when I was in Seattle, I, I, Seattle is where I grew up. It's my home. Right. And there's a guy there that I saw on and off as like a, I don't know, like a friends with benefits type thing. Um, for several years when I lived in Seattle, which was over five, over four years ago now. Um, but every time I come home, every time I fly home, I make sure I message him and I hit him up and we can get together and, you know, relive some fun times. And I really struggled with whether or not I should reach out to him this time. Um, I think there was a lot of fear about like, you know, if he is taking a more conservative, conservative approach with like pandemic precautions, maybe he wouldn't be interested in seeing me right now. Maybe that's not such a good idea. Um, I mean, for all I know, like maybe he's in a steady, like monogamous relationship and he wouldn't want to see me anymore because of that either. Like I just had a lot of fear about whether or not I should message him. I had a lot of sort of guilt and anxiety about traveling right now in the first place. Um, and I put it off until like the very, very last minute and I messaged him on like one of my last days in Seattle. Um, and lo and behold, we got together and watched like five episodes of The Mandalorian and ate some like really bomb sushi and had some really fun sex. Um, and so I guess, I don't know, I guess that experience kind of reminded me that like anxiety about decision making is super, super common and it has many different like shapes and forms and, you know, the way that we make decisions can be influenced in a lot of different ways. And I just think it's important that we are authentic to ourselves, I guess, and going after, you know, what it is that, that we want in life um, so that we, you know, don't end up missing out on some of the really like magical and enriching life experiences that we, that we deserve for ourselves. Um, so that's Ava's story of the day. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> um, but yeah, let's, let's kind of transition and talk a little bit more about, you know, the, the whole concept of this like fear, this anxiety around making certain decisions in our lives. Um, I think there's always been a lot of fear in my life, definitely about like, what, what should I do? Should I talk to this person? Should I not talk to this person? Should I go out? Should I stay in? Um, I've always been a really anxious person. So this is a topic that is very close and dear to my heart. Mm. Um, I think some sort of like foundational things that we can address is just thinking through like so often, like we want to do something or we want to talk to someone and, and we choose not to. I think the first question to ask is why, why is that? Like, what is it that's, that's holding us back? Um, Stephen, Brandy, I don't know if either of you have any like initial thoughts or initial things that you might want to share about what, you know, types of decision-making do you feel hesitant about or have anxiety over? Uh, I was actually, when you were talking, I was sitting there thinking, like you mentioned a couple of times, like, oh, I might want to talk to somebody, but I'm a little bit, you know, afraid to, for whatever reason. Uh, but I don't, there's other examples, I think too, and uh, that we all have, like, even if you're in a relationship with somebody, you still can have that anxiousness about, you know, how to approach a situation or something like that. So, yeah. So I think a good example is like, what's, how do you go talk to that person? That, that might be a good iconic example, but it's stuff that, you know, we all have decisions every day that we have to make in, you know, with our relationships. And, but I think this too, like a lot of what we were going to talk about is like holding yourself back. Do, is that right? Do you feel like that's, that's one of the main issues with that anxiety is that 
to be authentic, we're sort of saying like, oh, I should go out and go do the things that I want to do. And then when we don't do it, you have to, I think, I think it is being authentic to admit that, like, okay, I do have some fears, you know, related Absolutely. to that. Oh, I think yeah. admitting, admitting that is, is really good. And then it's sort of like trying to do that next step of like, what, what am I going to do to kind of get out there? But my, uh, the question you asked me though, was like, what, which ones do I kind of have personally? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I am much better about it these days. Okay. So I, what I would do is like, look back in my life and especially when I was younger and like high school and college and all that, then I did have kind of, uh, anxiety about definitely about asking people out, you know, and I did not ask as many people out as, uh, I probably wanted to, and I'm not really sure exactly why that is, except it was just like, how do you do it? I think that was my, the hardest thing that I had. And then if you ask a person out and then they do say no, then it's like, well, now they know that you have this thing for them kind of, you know, and in my mind, I'm making this up as I'm talking, I probably made that into a bigger deal than what it really was or needed to be, you know? And so that was just probably, uh, I, an unrealistic fear. So, uh, while I'm thinking about it, one thing I've learned about fear is that you, we will have a fear, like it'll enter our minds about something. Right. And then we have to decide like how realistic is that fear? Because sometimes they're not realistic. You know, we've just made up something. And when you realize like, okay, it's not a realistic chance of this ever happening. It's easier to kind of throw that fear out or just push it push it away and not give it as much attention. When you realize like, no, this is a legitimate fear, then you really should pay attention to it. So all the time, I don't think we talk about that very much, but all the time, like having a fear is fine. Then you have to figure out what you're going to do with it, you know? And so just deciding like how realistic of having a negative consequence is this fear, or is it just something that your mind kind of is making up? Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. Um, I think the whole concept of like making a decision after you acknowledge that the fear is there is really, really important. Um, I've been in several discussions with, with friends over the years where we talk about, you know, this, this little anxiety voice that's in our head, that's telling us all these worst case scenarios that may or may not be realistic at all. And mm -hmm. kind of having to make friends with that voice and saying, you know, I, I hear you anxiety brain. I hear you going off. I hear you trying to protect me from these worst case scenarios. Thank you for that. And now I'm going to move forward and take this risk anyway, because I've, I've weighed the the chances of that actually happening and I'm mm -hmm. comfortable moving forward and not dismissing that little like anxiety brain voice, but just acknowledging that it's there and then making an educated decision about what to do and how to move forward anyway. Yeah. 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 Brandy, do, do you have any like anxiety? You know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it. the one that, well, I have two that come to mind um, immediately that kind of relate in terms of, and I think, and here's where it's difficult for me to kind of uh, view my anxiety as negative is because it actually, I feel like helps me be a good nurse. Um, I'm always prepared. I'm always thinking about worst case scenarios. I'm, I'm thinking ahead. I'm thinking, okay, if this doesn't go right, what's going to happen? And if this goes correctly, you know, so in one way, my anxiety can be seen as, as a positive, but in another, it can be seen as a negative as in me waking up at four 30 in the morning, not being able to go back to sleep and me just going on into work to get my day started. Um, and while I don't really go out of my way to make a conscious decision as much as I should to test that, um, recently I was on my way to work it was a few months ago and I, I'm always at work by like 6.30, 6.45 at, at the latest. And if I'm not, people are like, where's Brandy at? And we don't open our clinic until 8. So, And I had gotten stuck in really bad traffic and did not get to work and did not clock in until like 7.58. And I was about to lose my mind because my entire structure and routine that I had for that hour prior to getting ready for my day was gone because my commute would took so long because of a wreck. Um, and while I wouldn't have sought out that, that opportunity, it, it ended up showing me that, Hey, I can get to work like late and still be perfectly fine. My teammates picked up some of the slack for me and like had some stuff ready for me. They had my charts ready. And so that was good reinforcement for, for me to realize it is not the end of the world. If I'm not there early always. Um, 
And so that was good to experience. And then the other one that has always been a chronic problem for me is, well, I can make really big decisions well. Um, little tiny decisions like where to eat when I'm in someone else's company, I can't make. So what <laughs> I've, and I, I try to look at that and I've tried to figure out why. And so when I'm by myself, I can easily choose where I want to eat because I'm thinking just for me. But I'm also like very much a people pleaser and I get pleasure and fulfillment out of seeing someone else happy. And so while it might look like it's hard for me to make a decision about where to eat, it's mostly coming from a place of I want them to have a positive experience. And if they have a positive experience, I will have a positive experience. And I'm very genuine in that. Um, but I basically come to like... Um, Let's see, not where I tell the person to give me three restaurants, like three options, and then we can kind of discuss those. So instead of saying, what do you want to eat? And me saying, I don't know, because that causes me a lot of anxiety because I don't want to pick wrong. I let them choose three restaurants that they are interested in, and then I will ultimately choose the final one. So that is it's a way that I think I've learned to navigate my anxiety and some of my what I call analysis paralysis, if you will, um, that's been successful for me. That's a good one. Analysis paralysis. paralysis. I like that. Yeah. Uh, that's a really great strategy too, Brandy. I, I wish that I had thought of that myself, like give me three options and I'll, we'll talk about like those and narrow it down from there. That makes so much sense because I can, I definitely, I can definitely um, identify with that same struggle. I think for, I think for different reasons though, like I remember I was, um, staying with a friend recently and we were having dinner at their place and they offered me like, do you want, do you want some wine? Do you want a beer? Do you want some water? I can make you like a, a gin and tonic. Like, I'm like, just like, uh, 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 I'll have some water. I think like that's literally, that was literally my reaction. And, and she's like, wow, like you, you really are bad with this decision-making thing. I'm like, yeah, sometimes I am. She's like, all right, I'm going to give you a water, but I'm going to make you a drink too. I'm like, thank you. Thank you for making that decision. For yeah. Me. yeah, do it. I just, yeah, 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 exactly. Good for her <laughs> for making that decision for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, there were some questions that I wanted to give our listeners to kind of use as self-reflection to kind of like wrap their heads around, you know, how to tackle this I'm going to use your term, Brandy, because I loved this analysis paralysis. <laughs> and so I think I, I feel like this is a good time to kind of transition into that and kind of the initial questions that I would challenge anyone listening to ask themselves is, you know, start with what what do you want? What is it that you want? What what are you going after? And get really, really clear about what it is that you want, because you can't really make a decision to move you forward in life, whether it's a relationship focused decision or not, you really can't work towards something if you don't know what it is that you're working toward. So taking some time to figure out, you know, what is it that I'm after? Like, do I want a lifelong partner? Do I want a casual hookup? Like, you know, you, you can kind of pick a path from there and that's really going to inform how you make your decisions moving forward. Um, you know, or that could look like, like, do I want a promotion and a raise at work? Or do I want to avoid taking on more like work and responsibility so that I can, you know, maintain a better work life balance for myself? You know, what is it that that we really want or need or motivates us? And then we can from there figure out like, how do I go after that? And once you get really, really clear on those things, you can then ask yourself, like, what's keeping you from actually going after this? what's keeping you from actually obtaining the things that you want in life. Again, whether that's relationship focused or not. Um, I think it's just as important to be really, really clear on what is holding me back. Um, what is the risk of making a decision that might push me toward the thing that I want? Um, and really kind of like drilling down into like, what is the root cause of this fear that I'm experiencing that's holding me back? Um, and again, like for anybody listening, this is something that I deal with every single day and I am not a master at it by any means. <laughs> um, I think it's a, a lifelong skill that most of us probably have to work a lot at, or at least I know I do. Can I, can I ask you a quick question? Yeah. Do you feel like when listening to you, uh, what I think I am hearing you say sort of is like identifying the fear that you, you know, you have the fear, but then the more you know about it, and understand that fear, that's what's going to kind of give you like you were, you're like, how, how do I work with this? So 
sort of studying that particular fear and getting to really know more about it, do you feel like that's a key important um, thing that you do to kind of deal with it? Yeah, I would, I would completely agree with that. Yes, I do think that, um, I think self-awareness is oftentimes the first step to anything in life. Um, so just kind of being aware of like, again, what is it that I want and what's holding me back from it? And why is that holding me back? What is that fear? And really understanding it and getting comfortable with it. Um, you know, I think for me, like I have a lot of fear about, uh, let's see, messing up or not being good enough or not being like desirable enough. Right. Um, and so like really understanding where that fear is coming from, you can then take that information and do something with it and, and figure out how to maybe conquer that fear. Maybe not. Maybe just make friends with that fear and just have a better relationship with those feelings and be more mm-hmm. aware of what they are and, and what to do when those feelings come up. Yeah, I think that's a good one. Because I think sometimes these the the fears don't necessarily go away. You just have to learn to kind of, you know, deal with them. Mm-hmm. So absolutely. Like I have a terrible, terrible fear of spiders, and there's totally a spider in my closet right now. I'm just avoiding the closet and I'm okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, we've talked in the past too about like vulnerability and how that's that's important to kind of get comfortable with, you know, that, and again, you have to choose the right times to be vulnerable in front of somebody, you know, but if you always have that wall up, then you never just like connect with them. So you've got to like, you know, bring the wall down, you know, take a a chance, you know, and, and things. But, uh, I remember one of the things for when we were talking about vulnerability at the end, one of the key things was like certain people, um, they, they do it and they realize there's risk, but they are comfortable with doing it anyway. You know, they are scared and they just do it anyway. And I think from, as I remember, right, that that was something that can be kind of learned, you know, through practice kind of, and Brandy, you've sort of talked about that too, you know, that you, you do, you're, you're maybe nervous about it or whatever, but you kind of figure out a way to kind of go through and do it anyway. And mm-hmm. then after you've done it a couple of times, like you're saying, Ava, it's not as, it's not as scary as much. Mm-hmm. You might still have a little bit of it, but you have a little bit more confidence that you can deal with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and like, like with Brandy's story that she told just a few minutes ago, like you got to work two minutes early instead of the what hour and a half early, like normal. And then you realize like, oh, it's still okay. I'm still okay. Yeah. It's okay. It's right. Sometimes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Love it. Oh, there was something else that I wanted to bring up here. Uh, what was it? I'm totally forgetting. Uh, <laughs> okay, so we talked a little bit about like what what is the fear? Why do we have the fear? What is it that we're we're going after? What is it that we want to accomplish or or have in life? One theory that I wanted to kind of surface um, was about a loss, just having a loss of options, just losing out on that opportunity or that potential, like losing out on the possibility of I could go this route or I could go this route or I could do this thing. Right. Um, and a really good, like basic example of that is like, say you're at a restaurant and you're ordering off a menu and you ask yourself like, should I get the steak or should I get the chicken? You decide, okay, well I'm going to have the steak. And then all of a sudden you feel this like, Oh no, like I I should have ordered the chicken. Like I wanted that one. That one would have been better for me. It would have been healthier for me. And like what you're feeling in that moment is this, you're experiencing this loss of options and loss of opportunities. And that can, you know, even if you ultimately got what you wanted, like whether that's what you really wanted or not, you're still like losing this opportunity of, Oh, but it could have been this way. It could have been this thing. Um, and that can be a really uncomfortable place to sit sometimes with that, that feeling of loss. Um, I don't know. Have you guys ever experienced this before? Does this, does this feel familiar at all? Oh yeah. A hundred percent. Well, yes, I, I have, you know, now I have learned, like I've heard that before about the, the restaurant and the, the choosing and, and, um, you, once you've picked, you've picked. Right. And so all of a sudden that buyer's remorse kicks in that like, Oh no, I picked the wrong one for me. I don't know if this is typical for most people, but for me, it's like, once I sort of know that, that that's what's going on in my head, then I could be like, no, like I, I picked the right thing, you know, because again, when you're picking, you're picking based on the information that you have at the time, right? So you pick that thing. And I've, I've learned to sort of just trust that, you know, um, and, and if it really was between the steak and the chicken and I wasn't sure in some ways it probably doesn't matter, you know, you just need to get one. But I, I feel like 
knowing what's going on in my head helps me not worry about it. You know, that when I do have that thing pop up. Yeah. Coming back to that self-awareness piece. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Another option that I wanted to kind of throw out there or have, have listeners consider um, when it comes to this sort of like fear paralysis uh, experience is thinking through the concept of uh, better the devil you know than the devil you don't. Um, so like if you're struggling with, say, like whether or not to ask a person out that you're interested in, you know that you have two options. One, you can choose not to ask them out. You'll never go out with them, but at least you already know the outcome. You don't have to take any risks because you know how the story ends, right? And the other option is two, you can ask them out and they might say yes, or they might say no, and it might be awesome and it might be terrible. Um, this option poses more risk and uncertainty because you don't know how the story ends, right? So sometimes knowing the outcome already, even if it's not the outcome that you want, that can feel safer because there's no uncertainty, there's no risk. Um, it's also it's also the option that often holds us back in life, right? Like sometimes that can be a form of self-sabotage for some people, and that can be really damaging to kind of go through that constant cycle of setting yourself up for failure by not taking any risks, even the ones that realistically would probably be um, safer to make. Mm -hmm. Well, and then you might get yourself in a situation of the what if, like what if I would have done this? And so you can get in that cycle of not ever knowing what could have happened if you hadn't taken some type of initiative. I, and I wonder too, like if you, if you don't, the thing you want to do, ask the person out and you don't do it. Okay. Which, you know, again, I used to deal with, um, I, I don't know that I did this, but I probably did it more subconsciously. I wonder if I then to go like, man, what is wrong with me? Like there, there's something wrong with me that I am nervous about going up there and asking person out or that I don't know exactly how to go do it. So then you internalize it and then you go like, I must be a bad person. Right. And so because I'm a bad person, I, I can't ask that person out over there because, you know, they'll say no, cause I'm a bad person. And then it's just like, I can see it be this kind of cycle. Mm -hmm. Um, which I'm not going to, we'll get into this, I think later, but it's like, how do you break that cycle? And, um, that may be like with reframing or something like that. Cause when you're in that cycle, you're not thinking clearly, or you're not really seeing the picture clearly. So anyway, yeah. I just thought of yeah. And that, that downward spiral can be such a slippery slope to try and, and get out of and, and to break that cycle. Like you were saying, Stephen, that can be, that can be really tricky sometimes. Um, mm -hmm. although, you know, I do think that that actually, that's a really good point though, because when you are considering like, do I, or don't I, and if I do, and they say no, like if with a classic example, if I ask someone out and they say no, you know, what's that going to feel like? How am I going to handle that? Like every, many people anticipate that like being told no, or, or feeling that, that rejection is really painful. And it's, it's a just terrible experience. And it is a, a reflection of like how valuable you are as a human being, as an individual, like, oh, this person said, no, they must think that I'm worthless. Well, I must be worthless. Right. And it doesn't, it doesn't have to be that way is the thing. There's this like weird sort of stigma, I think about being told no. And it doesn't, it doesn't have to be that way. A mm -hmm. lot of the times, if, if I'm telling somebody, no, it has nothing to do with them. It has to do with my circumstances. It has to do with like, how much energy do I have this day? Or, and, you know, am I having a really, really awful, terrible, no good day? And I just want to stay home. Like, you know, it, those things happen and it's, it's life. I think it happens to all of us. And so if, if you are fearful of being told no, I think it's really important to kind of reframe that in your mind that that's not a reflection of your value or lack of it. It's not a reflection of your character or your, your worth. Um, a lot of times it doesn't have anything to do with you. Hearing no mm -hmm. might not have anything to do with you at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Oh, can I just, I want to add something really quick. And this kind of goes back to the fear rejection and getting no for an answer. And I think there's just a simple way to approach that is like, if I went up to Ava and I was like, Hey, you know, I just, if sometime you ever want to get a drink or hang out or chat or whatever, just let me know. And so that's a way of showing your interest without asking for a direct yes or no back immediately. And so that can be an easy icebreaker, if you will. Um, I have done that on very few occasions, 
because I'm not one to initiate. And that's just been one for me coming from a person that with fear of rejection, that's been uh, the most comfortable way for me to kind of make my interest known without wanting a yes or no immediately. Brandy, I'm learning you're pretty good at having like the coping mechanisms. Like as you talk about these things, you're like, well, this is a good example though. Cause you're like, I know that I am not very good at this thing. And then you have already thought about it and come up with coping mechanisms, which that's pretty, that's that's, my whole life, I think. (laughs) Yeah. But that's, that's really good. I mean, that's kind of like what I think we're talking about on this, on the show, you know, that, that those coping mechanisms. Um, yeah, I don't do that as much as the coping mechanism, but this is where I don't think that I'm maybe, uh, normal or as typical. Okay. Cause for me, it's like, it's understanding kind of, I always think of it in real sort of almost like scientific terms, like what is actually going on. And once I can kind of learn like what is going on, then, then it kind of takes things, you know, it makes, makes them easier or whatever. Um, and I will say for like, you know, asking people out that, Ava, you were, you were going to ask me, I think about, about the reframing. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to jump into that, uh, right now. Okay. So in the past for me, it was like, you know, I I was having a hard time with doing that. And so how did I get out of that cycle in the past? And I think it was from learning different aspects, uh, not, not just like one trick, but it was just like learning in general, learning more about, for me, like learning about women and, um, some of it is experience, the experience that you all have. And like when you do get asked out and the types of people that you like and don't like, okay. Which is, I'm going to say now, once, once I know this, it's like so easy, you know, but, um, uh, the, what I have noticed about, so I'm going to say both of you, but women in general, when you're asking somebody out, okay. is like, they really want somebody who is safe and fun and interesting you that it kind of just comes down to that. And, you know, so the other like quirks that you might have about like, I really like NASCAR. I really like, you know, whatever. Okay. Like that that may not match up with the other person and and that's kind of fine, you know? And so people usually are pretty willing to kind of accept those things as being like, okay, it's a quirk or it's something that's interesting. It's, it's actually really interesting that you, that you mention kind of like the, the needs, like what, what, myself or what Brandy or somebody else might really be looking for versus what are the sort of nice to haves. If I put like my business hat on, I think like, what are the need to haves in this project and what are the nice to haves? Mm -hmm. And you could apply that same logic to like the kind of person that you're looking Mm -hmm. for or interested in. Like, yeah, it might be nice if both of us had something in common, like sports, which is not me. Um, But like (laughs) the need to have is like the need to feel safe and feel heard and validated. Like there's, there are certain things that are deal breakers and there are certain things that are just like you said, like quirks. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think I always thought like, am I cool enough? You know, in a real simple way, am I cool enough for this other person? And I have now learned like that doesn't actually matter. It's more like, am I going to be safe and interesting? And if you are, then people are usually willing to give you a chance, you know? And Mm -hmm. so learning that is what kind of helped get me over that, that, uh, hump or that hurdle to where now, like, I don't have any trouble asking somebody out, you know, it's like, and again, I do, I sort of have learned how to do it, you know, but, uh, it that was definitely a, hard. That needs to be a podcast topic, Stephen. What, how to do it, how to ask yeah. somebody out? Well, uh, it's not that easy because it really, I think for me, it's more of like, listen to our podcast, right? Because if we talk about this thing and you have a better understanding of it, then it's going to be much easier to kind of come up and approach somebody. You're going to realize like, they're not going to be critical of you. Or if they do, like you were saying, Ava, like it's probably got nothing to do with you. So a lot of it is like learning about yourself and your fears. And then realizing that a lot of times those fears are not based on like real stuff. You know, they're more like in your head stuff. Um, and so, so then it just becomes easier. And then like you have brand, you have really good, you know, the coping things is like, it doesn't have to be like a date. You know, you were saying, I think last week you were saying that you don't treat it as a date. You treat it as a meetup at first, mm-hmm. you know, and that that is, that's kind of a coping thing, right? The date can be too big of a deal and it can too be scary. Yeah. yeah. But to go meet up and just hang out for an hour and have coffee with somebody is much more low key. And it's, is it a date or is it not a date? you don't, a lot of times you don't know the first time you don't know how you feel about the person. So you're just going to get together to hang out 
And, um, you know, then in that conversation for that, for that hour, you'll have a better sense of like, are we clicking? Are we not clicking? You know, what, what does it kind of feel like? And then you can just sort of roll into, you know, ask, you know, dinner in a movie to me is almost kind of formal. You know, at that point you're saying like, mm-hmm. yes, I really like you. And I really want to go spend the whole evening with you and I'm going to, you know, spend some money and we're going to, you know, go do this. And I would, like we said last week, I, that's not what I would say is the best way to kind of start things off. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. So the reframing is, um, for me, realizing sometimes that your fears are not necessarily really correct. And so you have to kind of come, there's different ways to like look at the same story, right? So when the one way that you're doing is, is too scary or something, it's like, look, try to think of it from a different perspective. Try to think of it from the other person's perspective um, and, and just figure out like what is going on, you know, but just th- there's usually different angles that you can kind of come at it. I just want to say one thing about you mentioned like dinner and a movie being like the standard like date event and how that kind of feels too formal these days. Mm -hmm. And it's so ironic that you say that because as a teenager, when I was first trying to figure out the whole dating thing, like that was like, that's what you do on a date. You go to dinner and then maybe you go see a movie like that's what you do. And I look at that today. I'm like, when's the last time anybody's ever asked me out for a dinner and a movie? Or if <laughs> I asked anyone, like that's that's not a thing anymore. And and I agree with you, Stephen, in that it comes down to kind of knowing yourself and, and knowing what you're looking for and knowing who you're interested in. And then finding a, a, a platform, finding an environment, a situation where you're comfortable and safe kind of exploring those things. And a lot of times like setting up like a more structured um, evening that maybe requires more time, um, like your entire evening, like that just feels like too much. The stakes are too high when, you know, you're, you're just trying to figure out if this person is like, you know, chill enough to hang out with regularly. Right. Like it, it doesn't have to be that high stakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the dinner and a movie can sometimes be the, um, the easy one, if you will, because you go through dinner and we even, we spoke about this last week when you were gone about, how if I ever do a dinner and a movie, which I have it, of course, with COVID, but I do it opposite. I do movie and then dinner so that after you watch the movie, you can then talk about the movie at dinner and you don't have that time constraint that you would have otherwise if you went to dinner first. If the conversation's flowing, you have to like stop it to get to the movie on time and et cetera. Um, but yeah, it, it takes a lot of time, like just like, let's say if you're getting ready and then the dinner and the movie alone can be four hours and then half of that time's not even spent talking to getting to know the person. So I'm thinking maybe it's f- phasing out a little bit because of that. It's, it, people are noticing it's not the best use of their time to get to know someone. Yeah, I only do official like dates like that for like like my anniversary date with my partner, we'll do something really structured. Like that's the only time that I do that kind of thing anymore. <laughs> or like when a movie, a super, you know, exciting movie's coming out. Sure. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. Let's make this a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's um, I want to transition if it, it seems like a, a good kind of transition period to kind of summarize what we've talked about so far a little bit. And I've got a couple of final thoughts that I wanted to share about ways that you can kind of set yourself up for success in dealing with feelings of like fear or anxiety decision-making. And so to kind of summarize like a little bit of what we talked about so far. So for any listeners that are trying to wrap their head around, like what can I do to overcome a lot of these fears and anxieties about how I make decisions and how I take those risks. First thing that you want to do is like know your identity, like know what it is that you really want to go after in life and consider number two would be consider like, what's holding you back from that? What is the fear behind that? And why is that a fear? Um, So what's holding you back from like not pursuing what you want in life and why? Um, The third thing to, to consider is, you know, is there something that you can do now to help you get closer to doing the things that you want to do? And so we talked a lot about like, the self-awareness piece. Um, And actually, so one, one thing that we didn't talk about a lot is 
surrounding yourself with supportive people in a supportive environment. I want mm-hmm. to make sure that I shared that thought before we before we kind of wrapped up on this topic. Um, and so like some things that you could do with that might look like joining uh, joining a community of like-minded individuals. And for some people that might be like bowling league. Um, for other people, um, like the, the folks on this podcast, like for us, it would be joining like a local kink community. Um, you know, that that's one option, like surround yourself with other folks that are going to understand what you want and what you're going after and be supportive of you along mm-hmm. the way, like find your tribe, find your cheerleaders. Um, uh, another thing that you can do is to continue to educate yourself, uh, like tuning in for these podcasts um, or other other speakers, other material, other education that's going to help you to stay focused on the things that you want to go after. Um, let me see here. And then another thought that I had was surrounding yourself with supportive media. Um, and so that could look like, you know, maybe if you're not super interested in like joining a community of people that you feel obligated to interact with, like if you're super introverted, like some people in this room, I'm talking about myself, um, <laughs> then perhaps, you know, you want to like use social media to like surround yourself with things that are going to encourage you to go after the things that you want. Um, like one example of that for me, like I've always considered myself a plus size human being um, and surrounding myself with like on social media, like following body positive influencers has helped me to really kind of like normalize what was an insecurity for me now. And now is actually like a, a tool of empowerment in my life. Mm-hmm. So surround yourself with those things. It's going to encourage you to build those values and those pillars that you actually want to go after and want to develop. Um those are my initial like thoughts on like other things that you can kind of surround yourself with. Um, I know Stephen and Brandy and myself, we all met through, I mentioned like our local kink community um, around the MARC, the community center. Um, do you guys have any thoughts about how like participating in, in community like that impacted you in ways that you didn't expect? Yeah, I do. <laughs> so so uh, when I, you know, I help, with the, the welcome team and the, the munches that we do. So we'll have people come out for the first time, you know, they're interested in exploring our, the kink community, but they don't really know like what exactly it is or what it's going to be like. Right. And so there very often there is some anxiety in there. And so with our team, it's like, we're there to kind of greet people at the door and make sure they can feel comfortable, you know, and, and we can sort of reassure them. So, uh, a lot of times we'll do it before COVID over dinner, you know, in the very beginning. And so as we, sometimes I would talk to people and I'd be like, you know, one of the, like we have, everybody here is really nice. Everybody's really, you know, you're not going to get like pressured or you shouldn't get pressured. You know, that's, you know, that's kind of our culture and stuff. Um, but I'm like, one of the best things is like, this is your first night coming out, you know, and you're just, you're exploring, you don't really know what, you know, what it's all about. But I said, one of my favorite things is like, you see people come out and then they get, they're not just accepted for, you know, the way they are, what they're kind of into, but, but we all really like them for that, you know, for those things. It's like, we value that. And, you know, even if it's something that's different or whatever, it's like, it's still awesome to see somebody like come out and sort of flourish Mm -hmm. because they're able to kind of do things that they always wanted to, but were always afraid to, and they held themselves back. Well, and I think we can also like see a little bit of ourselves in them from when we were in their same shoes early on. And how enduring that is, and we want to be supportive of that anyway. Right. So it's a lot of fun to see the person come out, you know, and start doing these things. It's like, yeah, we all share that sort of joy that they're, that they're doing. So you come out on the first night and you're not really aware that like, oh, I would really benefit from having a community. You, you come out because you're like, I just want to see what this place is like. Okay. But we know like, no, the community is what you're going to actually value more than anything. The group of people, because it's just, it's the way we are. And the fact that you are accepted and liked and valued for these things that maybe in the past you might've thought like was something wrong with you or something weird about you, mm-hmm. you know? So getting that community and that, which I'm going to kind of say is like that safe community where you can be yourself, you can be whatever size you are. And, you know, and, and you're going to find out like, Oh, the, this group of people really likes me for that. You know, that that's not anything that I'm judged on or, or held back. 
that that takes this load off your shoulders. So that is one of the best things I feel like that we have from our our community is like just it they let people be themselves, you know. But you'd never know that the first night that you kind of come out. You know, and I think of you, Brandy, I think like it wasn't on your radar. You really did not care about like the community whatsoever. It was like, why would I want to go hang out with a bunch of people I don't know? Like that seems so dumb. And then it's like, look at you now. You're like, well, I'm on the education committee. And yeah. 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 So they sucked anyway. me in. <laughs> but yeah, Ava, I think, you know, that that is probably one of the best things you can do is get a group together. And if you're, you know, if you're out in the middle of nowhere, it's like, then there are online resources, you know, and, and different thing. And, and, you know, even podcasts like what we do or other podcasts, uh, that was a big thing for me that I know helped me it just gave me access to, to knowledge, but it also let me know of the different types of people and groups that were out there. And that, that was comforting because I went from thinking that there was something weird about me to realizing like, no, there's, there's not like, I'm actually, I feel like we're the ones who are sort of free. Like we mm -hmm. actually talk about stuff. The people that, you know, really internalize it and hold them, do hold themselves back. And just, you know, like I said, trash talk themselves in their heads like that, that sucks, you know? And so I think having that community and, and having people like you is a good way to kind of get out of that. I can so identify with the concept of like being one of those people that like internalizes everything and like trash talks themselves. Like you were saying, like I, I absolutely was that person at one point and I didn't know what I needed. What I needed was an environment where I felt safe to be myself. Mm -hmm. And Stephen, you said something earlier about like this insecurity of like, am I cool enough when you were younger? And for me, it was always like, am I attractive enough? Am I mm -hmm. smart enough? Like, am I good enough? Right. And when you surround yourself with a community that values you for exactly who you are, that's going to, I mean, that's going to build up your esteem and your confidence. Right. But that's going to give you an environment where you feel safe to be right. who you are so that you can flourish. And that's, I think that's really like what is going to help people most with kind of overcoming the the fear around like decision paralysis. When mm -hmm. you feel safe taking up space and being exactly who you are and being valued for exactly who you are, that's going to give you the courage to to be able to do the thing and to ask the person and to make the decision and and conquer the world. Mm -hmm. oh. yeah. <laughs> that's all we want to do, conquer the world. Let's yeah, that's all. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Let me do a really quick summary then of, of like the, the last kind of things that you said. Yeah. Okay. So they were like to know what your identity is and kind of, and what you want, you know, like the more you're aware of that, who you are and what you want, that's going to help lead you towards, you know, I'm going to say in that direction. Then you were saying like, consider how you hold yourself back and the fears that we have and you know, what sort of baby steps can we do to kind of go in the direction that we want to you know, to, to sort of deal with those. Um, and then I think the other was the supportive environment, which th that really, I do think is a big one, you know, to find, mm -hmm. find people that you can be yourself with. Uh, and I think that's it. So there's really three different things. Is that right? Yeah. I feel like if nothing else, like surrounding yourself with a supportive environment, that is going to set you up for success. If you do nothing else, like that is, that is key. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you don't have like an in-person community, you can explore like virtual community options. There are like private Facebook groups or like FetLife groups or like explore social media and explore the things that interest you and mm -hmm. find, you know, find what it is that you're passionate about and then find the other people that are also passionate about those things. Mm -hmm. um, and then the, the next opportunity would be to like continue educating yourself, whether that's like following podcasts or um, like YouTube uh people that post things on YouTube um, and things like that about like the topics that inspire you and about the values that, that you want to pursue and develop in yourself. You yeah. also have um, when we're past COVID, you know, the conferences and conventions that people will make a big trip out of, like they will come from across the country to a convention in uh, that takes place in Atlanta once a year. And that's like their one weekend to be their true 100% authentic self it's wonderful to see. So maybe they don't have the community locally, but they can meet people at those large conferences and then um, uh, network from there. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Absolutely. Um, go ahead, Stephen. Well, I was the other thing I was going to add is like, Brandy, I, I am impressed. Like you, I can tell you really have thought about a lot of these things like, oh, I have this anxiety about this thing here. What is a way to work with that? 
you know, mm-hmm. and again, I think sometimes it's just working with it. It's not beating it, but it's like, what are ways to work with it? Yeah. Years ago, I got past the idea of I'm going to be a stress-free, anxiety-free individual. And and I'm fine with that. It And like I've already said, in some ways, it's very positive for my life. And then in the ways where it's not as positive, I've learned mechanisms to make it work and still um, not be as negative. Mm-hmm. So I've learned to accept it and then how to deal with it pretty well, I think. All right, make that anxiety work for you, not the other way around. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Ava, thanks for leading us on that discussion. Yeah, that was great. Thanks. Thank was, you. It's a fun topic. Yeah. Uh, Brandy, you yeah. had mentioned um, a while ago about like for New Year's and resolutions and things like that. So oh, yeah. I kind of wanted you to talk a little bit about that because that sort of ties in with the anxiety and like, you know, so people, I can see them making resolutions, but then how do you hold them? You know, that's always a a question. So yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm not going to say new year's resolution, but I'm like a resolution whore. Um, I do, (laughs) I I do them quite often and try to stick to them. And, um, (laughs) so yeah, this is a, this is a good topic for me to address. Um, so I'll just kind of get started with it. So I do want to say the reason we want, I think it's kind of timely to address this right now is because with new year approaching myself included and other people, we kind of start to reevaluate life choices. We're reflecting on the year that has been and the year that's coming up and kind of what we might want to do differently. Um, And so that transition to a new year makes us almost feel more hopeful. It gives us the motivation and drive to make changes. But what I also want to say is that like, while I eventually um, I'm going to choose things to, to change in the next year um, and more healthy habits or get rid of bad habits. I have learned um, through experience that really beginning like the first of the year, like January 1st, is not a good time to start any big change. Um, basically, because we're still like pretty much in a, we're in a relatively stressful time still. You're, you're still kind of celebrating holidays. Um some people, you know, they say, I'm going to exercise and eat better. And, but you have Valentine's Day coming up in, you know, just six weeks down the road from your New Year's resolution, which is going to be a huge temptation for many people with like chocolates and, and stuff like that. So you don't, you don't have to use New Year's Day as the day to make a change. You need the, the one of the important things I want the listeners to take away from this is choose a day that's good for you. Um, it doesn't have to be the first of the year. Your your new year can start whenever you want it to. Um, so I'm just going to kind of go into the difference between like goals versus habits. And a healthy habit is any behavior activity that's beneficial to your physical, mental, or emotional wellness. And simple examples of that include good nutrition, exercise, a self-care routine, stress management, or coping mechanisms, um, or happiness-related activities and hobbies. The major difference between goal setting and habit formation is that a goal is something you set out to achieve, and that kind of what forces you to to think about it and put put work towards achieving that goal. Whereas a habit is just something that's kind of ingrained in you and your routine, and that you do without much thought, like brushing your teeth maybe or taking a shower every day. So when we talk about how to create healthy habits, uh, I think it's it's important to acknowledge that. To change everything all at once is really hard. So it's best to focus just on like one thing. And once you focus on that thing and that becomes, it becomes more of a habit and or routine, then focus on something else. And when you choose that one thing you want to focus on, you need to take like baby steps. And the the best example I can give for me personally is I have never been a runner And once after I got through my bout of cancer, I was like, I want to kind of run a little bit. I kind of needed to like prove to myself I could be healthy again, blah, blah, blah. And so I didn't choose to run a marathon because I never ran a day in my life. Well, like in middle school gym class when I had to, but, um, but I chose to be able, I wanted to be able to run one mile without stopping. And then I achieved that. And then I moved on to, okay, maybe a 5K. 
And then I did that. And then like three years ago with my sister, I ran my first half marathon. So if I would have started day one of never running saying, I want to run a half marathon this year, it would have been an unrealistic goal. Um, And I wouldn't have chosen that knowing that it was unrealistic. But over time, I've developed the confidence saying, hey, I can run a mile. Hey, I can run three miles without stopping. Hey, I can do a 5K. Hey, I can go run six miles. Yeah, I have to stop. But, you know, to where I was able to build up to run a half marathon. So just make sure whatever goal you choose, that one specific goal you focus on, that it's still reasonable um, and and something that you can aspire to. Because if you choose an unreasonable goal, you're just going to get discouraged easily and, and then you're less likely to um, succeed at it. I have a question for you, Brandy. I feel like I, I agree with you in that, like setting a more realistic sort of gradual goal makes a lot of sense. The place where I really get kind of tripped up is that like, if, if my goal takes so long to achieve, if it's really gradual and it just seems like it's taking forever, I have a tendency to lose focus or get distracted by other things or just lose motivation. How, how do you deal with that? So I have, and this is actually something that I I put in my notes a little bit later, but like in my bathroom right now on my mirror, I have, in in addition to like poems and stuff that are encouraging, I have like goals. Um, And so I see them every day when I wake up. Um, my newest one, for example, this year, since I'm, I'm a nurse and I have to wear a mask a lot was a couple years ago, I wanted to start like a really intensive skincare routine that required my skin to go through a pretty bad healing process. And um, like the first six weeks was pretty miserable, but I was like, I'm going to do it this year. It's the best time to do it because I'm wearing the mask. Um, and so that would kind of cover up most of it. And so like on my mirror, I made, I had to do it twice a day, AM and PM. And I made the whole chart for six weeks and I would just like put a star when I would do the AM and then do a star when I would do the PM. So I couldn't not see it. Um, it's easy to wake up and say, oh, I don't feel like running today. Blah, blah. But if I have it like written on my calendar that I see downstairs, um, like when I go to get my lunch every morning or something like that, then it just keeps it like in the forefront of my brain. But also, I mean, it needs to be acknowledged that it's okay to have setbacks as long as you don't let those bring you completely down and you abandon your goal. Um, there's plenty of days where I haven't ran or worked out or ate as healthy as I did. But instead of dwelling on what I didn't do, I, I've refocused on just doing it the next day and picking it back up. And I think that's a really hard mindset to have because a lot of people or me personally, I, I'm like all or nothing, which is great sometimes, but then it's not great. Like if you miss a week of exercising because you have a sinus infection, like I can't help that. Um, but it still can mentally kind of get you down and then you just pick it right back up. So the biggest thing is once you, you have that setback, you just pick it right back up and keep going and and don't get too consumed with that. Does that answer your question or do you have like a more specific goal? No, that, that totally answers my question. Thank you. Um, that's some really, really valuable advice. And it's interesting that you brought up uh, like the whole all or nothing attitude because I can totally identify with it. Um, I think one, one like coping mechanism that I have for myself in dealing with that has been like, if you're, if you can't do it hundred percent, it's okay to half ass it. If it means that you still do the thing. Like for me, I have, I am trying to build a habit of meditating every day. And like, I'm aiming for like 20 minutes, like two 10 minute sessions every day. But if I'm slammed and I'm super busy and my day is just crazy, you know, the, the question is like, okay, do I have time to meditate today? No, I am too busy. Okay. Do I have time to meditate for like five minutes? No, I am too busy. Okay. Do I have time to take three deep breaths? Yeah. Okay. I guess I have time for that. <laughs> like if you can't do it hundred percent, you can still half ass it and you can still check that off of your box for the day. Like I still did the thing. 
I still right. ate vegetables. Right. I still meditated. Like right. I still did the thing and I still feel like I'm on track. Well, and the biggest thing there is that you didn't use the, I didn't have time as your ultimate excuse to be like, well, I don't have time and you get out of it. Like you tried to find a way to adapt to your super busy day to still feel like you were getting towards the goal you wanted to reach, even though you didn't do it hundred percent, which is great, which is super, super hard to do. If, if you're like me, it's hard to just, it's like when I do half a workout, cause that's all the time I have, it really pisses me off. But like, <laughs> I'm like, okay, half a workout's better than none. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you still did the thing. being pissed during it actually motivates me even more. So yeah, that's super difficult. So good for you for even the, just the three breaths is great. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Brandy. And that's, I appreciate your advice. It's very valuable. Okay, great. Um, so yeah, so we we do we kind of hit on the topic of just choosing one good habit and focusing on that. Um, say, uh, I said that you know you're gonna have days when you are just committed to, to doing uh, what you the goal or that or the habit that you're wanting to do. And during those times, and this is no surprise to you, Stephen, this is where I focus on the why, and I want to know exactly um, what happened that that resulted in me not being able to do my healthy habit for that day or, or my new change for that day. And then I kind of evaluate that and I try to avoid it. So for example, um, eat like one year, um, I wanted to eat healthy and I actually went vegan, which was, you know, a process and experience and I survived it. And, um, I'm here to, yeah. And, <laughs> but at work we had this vending machine that I passed on multiple occasions every day. And it was very tempting. And I would always, before I, I did that, and I did that, let me preface that the vegan, I tried that because I was having like some medical issues and I thought that would be the best route to go. It wasn't like I was trying to do some super restrictive diet or something. It was, it was for medical reasons. Um, anyway, and I was so tempted by this vending machine and it was just my, my habit of going and getting a soda and then getting a bag of chips. And that would be what I would have for lunch, which is horrible for anybody. And I have that like three days a week, but, um, and so it just became like part of my routine. And so I either the way I adapted and it actually helped me, like instead of taking the elevator down to then go by the vending machine to go to the cafeteria or whatnot, I would just take the steps and I would avoid the vending machine altogether. Or I wouldn't carry cash or my card on me that would tempt me to use it when I went by the vending machine. So there's, you know, you have to identify the the barriers to your success and then modify to, to kind of get those out of the way. And that's just one example. So removing temptation and also putting barriers in place to like not be around the temptation in the first place. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's awesome. Um, let's see. So just some simple examples of healthy habits. One would be like making your bed every morning. This is, I'm not sure who created this, So, but I have to give credit. There's something about um, when you're having a really bad day and if you, there's only one thing you can do that day, if it's just to make your bed, it's it, at least you can go throughout the rest of the day saying, Hey, I did one thing today. And if it's make your bed, then it's make your bed. And that's a really great starting point. I and know some it, kids that would totally it. disagree with you. What'd you say? I know some kids who would totally disagree <laughs> with you and think that is so stupid. Because you're just going to get back in it in 12 yeah. hours, right? Yeah, yeah. My kids would be like, why? So that was my stance for the longest time. My parents could not get me to make my bed as a child at all growing up. But you know what? That is a thing that I live my life by now. Like mm-hmm. when I get up in the morning, I make my bed and Hey, I've been up for five minutes and I already ticked something off my list. Like that's awesome. And that kind of like feeds like the motivation and the energy to like go forth and do more and be awesome and take over the world. It really is the mindset. It really is the making your bed in the morning. Yeah, I know some people think it's it's kind of dumb, but it really does help get you motivated. Uh, it can be, and another one that um, this sh- secret. I'm gonna try this one at the first of the year, uh, along with some other ones. But this one's for sure is to drink a glass of water first thing when I wake up. So I have a sweet tooth and my tendency, my motivation for getting out of bed is going downstairs to get a piece of candy. Like whether that's a candy cane during Christmas or holiday season or like 
the candy pumpkin deer. Like it's candy that will motivate me to get out of bed. And that's <laughs> not good. So I'm going to try to be motivated by drinking a glass of water first thing when I get up in the morning, starting the first of the year. That Wait. explains why you're so sweet, Brandy. Oh, look at that. I have her fooled. Um, <laughs> so, um, and then, you know, you can, another healthy habit that I greatly promote is putting some time into self-care. And this can be just something as simple as I'm going to devote time every night to read one chapter, one chapter of the current book I'm reading, or take a bubble bath, just choose things that can make you happy, write them down, and then schedule them. So, and we'll talk about scheduling in a minute. I'm going to scroll through the notes real quick. Um, so when it comes to scheduling, you know, Ava and I, we kind of talked about that in terms of I put it on my calendar when I'm going to run or like my, my rest days. And, and then I have a visual on my mirror that I see every morning when I get up of my goals for, for myself. But also another thing you can do is you can write down your goal and carry it with you in your pocket um, or put it in the dash of your car or something that you can see um, that you can just refer to. So like if you're having a weak moment and like, if I'm in the break room at work and there's like all these sweets and like, I really want them, but I don't need them. And that's going to inhibit the goals that, that I'm trying to get at and that, the healthy habits I'm trying to create. Then it really does help. Honestly, if I can just step away for 10 minutes and see if that urge goes away and it's not, just like an immediate um, satisfaction type of urge I'm having. And I really will in my phone, I have a note that I will kind of refer to and read and like refocus. And in 10 minutes, usually that type of urge goes away. So um, that I reminds me a lot of the whole concept of like pleasure versus happiness and that like eating a piece of candy, that's going to give you like a moment of pleasure, right? Like this, like so outside force that like, yes, that like you get to consume and enjoy. Right. And that, that might be a piece of candy or that might be like a text from someone you like flirting with or like whatever, right. It could be anything. Um, but like the happiness is that like sense of satisfaction and fulfillment that you get from achieving your goals and building your values and being the type of human being that you want to be in the world. Right. And so it's just a matter of like remembering like, do I want pleasure or do I want happiness? And I think the right answer is that we all want both, but there are certain levels or ratios that are going to be more optimal for us. Right. And you know, of course there have been times where I have went and like ate the donut where I shouldn't have. And almost a hundred percent of the time while I'm eating it, I enjoy it. But then as soon as I'm done, I'm like, I shouldn't have done that. And I immediately have regret. So, um, which is good that, that you have the regret, <laughs> it, you know, cause it'll prevent you from doing it more frequently or again. So yeah, that balance between pleasure and happiness is definitely important when it comes to healthy habits and goal setting. And then, um, you know, I already touched on about, your day to start um, a new healthy habit um, or routine doesn't have to be the January 1st at the new year, but whatever day it is, when you do choose on that first day, you need to like, just go at a hundred percent, make the commitment, write it down, um, carry it with you or like keep it in your car. And it can just be something as simple as I'll wash my, I wash my face every day, or um, I'm committed to staying calm or rational when I get stressed. You know, just whatever your simple goal is, write that down. And then part of the process as we go along, um, and we, Ava, you spoke about this, was accept failure. If you do fail, don't hate yourself for it. Make a note of the reason for what caused the setback and learn from it, which we spoke about. And then plan like little rewards. And the example I can give here, one of my most successful goal-oriented changes I made years ago was when I... I was at a point where I did want to lose weight and I followed a very structured diet plan that allowed for one cheat meal every week. And that was, I don't know who invented that concept, but it was amazing because the, you know, my six and a half days of the week, I stayed on this structured meal plan and on my days where it super sucked and I was just pissed and I felt like I was like a rabbit just eating lettuce. I knew that my cheat day was coming up and throughout the whole week, I would plan what I was going to eat on my <laughs> meal day. And then of course it was always something super fatty, like a Big Mac meal or like the triple dipper from Chili's. Um, and then what would happen is I would eat that. And then the next morning I would wake up 
and I would feel super bloated and have low energy and just feel like crap, which actually showed me how good I was feeling while I was eating healthy and doing the good habit and how crappy I was feeling when I would eat food that wasn't healthy. So in this weird like mentality, you got your cheat meal, but then you didn't feel good about it because it made you feel, but it encouraged you to continue eating healthy, but you still got that craving that you had fulfilled. Um, so gosh, if someone's going on like a, a healthy diet routine, I, I highly encourage you to factor in some type of cheat meal um, just to give you something to, to look forward to throughout the week. And then just to kind of wrap things up, I'll, I want to end you know, by saying that whatever your goal is, whether you start in the next coming year right on January 1st or wait, just remember that healthy habits aren't formed overnight, um, but they're formed little by little and that little, a little becomes a lot. So take it one day at a time. And perseverance is the key to success, not perfection. And good luck to anyone and everyone that's going to try. And I, I kind of look forward to hearing what the viewers' healthy goals and habits are going to be for the coming year. The, the interesting thing that I got out of that was like, uh, you might have setbacks, but just keep at it. You know, like that, the setbacks are normal. And as long as you just don't quit altogether... Yeah you know, just, just recognize that it's, it's a process. Maybe. Well, and here's the thing, you, you can have setbacks that are um, like, let's say self-inflicted, like you just go off the, the, the bandwagon for a month and eat unhealthy, or you can have like a medical injury that takes you away from the goal that you're trying mm -hmm. to reach. And the way you process through those setbacks and then just kind of get back on it when you can is, is what's most important. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that wraps us up for today. Um, thank you everybody for joining us. Uh, we'll be posting a new podcast every Sunday night. So please subscribe or follow us and we'll continue to explore dating and seduction and different ways that you can connect with partners. Uh, also, you can check us out at ethicalseduction.com. We're building that website out and putting more material on there. So there's, there's, there's some stuff that's up there now, but we're going to continue to build that out. Um, we would also really like to hear like feedback from people. So, you know, we are on Facebook, we are on, you know, all the different platforms. So people could write questions there, but you could also, you could email me at, uh, Steven at ethicalseduction.com. Just, and, and that if you go to our website, you can, you know, email me through that. Uh, but that would be great. You know, if we tell us what you want to want us to discuss, want to learn more about, and you know, we would, we would appreciate that kind of feedback. So thank you everybody. And we look forward to talking to everybody again next week. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.